This episode is brought to you by MGMA Events. The Medical Practice Excellence Financial and Operations Conference 2023 will be held March 19th through the 21st in Orlando, Florida. During our premier spring event, attendees will gain key insights from both disciplines and learn about topics that shape the future success of medical practice organizations. Go to mgma.com slash mpe23 to learn more and to register today. The latest value-based care report from Humana outlines many interesting findings and highlights how some physician practices found creative paths to success. Check it out now at humana.com slash vbc. Remember, Humana is working closely with physician practices on their value-based journeys, so go to humana.com slash vbc to learn more. Hi, everyone. I'm Daniel Williams, Senior Editor of MGMA and host of the MGMA Podcast Network. Uh, Today, we welcome Veronica Villarreal to the show. Uh, Veronica um, has... A lot of continue, continuing education in her background. She has her MHA, MBA, and also is the Chief Ambulatory Officer at DHR Health, uh, who oversees over 75 multi-specialty clinics in the Rio Grande Valley, Texas. Veronica is responsible for over 1,200 employees that work alongside 200 providers. Wow, Veronica, that is a lot that you do. Um, thank you so much uh, for joining us today on the podcast. My pleasure. Happy to be here. Yeah, we are happy to have you here. So um, as I was mentioning, you are currently Chief Ambulatory Officer at DHR Health. You, we already talked about all the things you, that you're overseeing there. So what does a day in the life look like? What is a day-to-day uh, experience like for you there? So I consider myself a mini CEO just because uh, our health system, it started as an ambulatory surgery center and it just grew. It's physician owned, so it's not corporate um, health system. So all decision makers are in the valley and from the community. So it's a little bit different from your normal Fortune 500 or a different type of health system. And we just expanded so much over the last 10 years. And I'm proud to always say that I'm homegrown here. I started as an intern in 2013 and just really moved myself, moved my way up fairly quickly, people say. Um, I started in the revenue cycle area and then moved to clinic operations. And when I got this opportunity, I was still really tapping into my inner critic and saying, "Is am I really ready for it? So now um, I think I don't think about, oh, wow, this is too much. I just... N- focus on, like you said, day-to-day, what my day-to-day looks like. It varies every day. (laughs) 
but I am responsible for why I call myself a mini CEO is I'm responsible for our own HR team. I have uh, our own compliance team, our own education team, um, different support systems, our own professional billing, really uh, all reports to me because we are very different from the hospital. Our workforce is not primarily nursing. It's primarily medical assistants, frontline staff, and physicians and mid-level providers. Mm -hmm. So day-to-day, I pretty much meet with my core team, which are my clinic directors. Um, Then I have operations meetings, and then I have support meetings, a little fires in between. And uh, that's really my day-to-day. What I wish my weekend day-to-day would be is uh, more home than here but that's when I really catch up and try to like take okay what did I learn from this week what can we proactively do next week so it's not a fire and we already have a process in place so that's kind of the gist of my day-to-day that's a lot just makes my brain hurt a little bit just hearing that so how with 75 multi-specialty clinics, with you meeting with different employees, different directors, uh, you know, going over everything, how do you keep it organized? What's your kind of secret sauce or secret ingredient to just keep all of this compartmentalized where you're not, you know, basically a little bit overwhelmed with all the different pieces uh, within the practice there? So I won't say I'm... It's a constant struggle, but I do say outlook dictates, my outlook calendar dictates my life. So how I keep organized with my personal and work, I just add everything on there. Instead of having like a personal calendar and a work calendar, because my personal work are like this, Mm -hmm. uh, I just have one. And that really has kept me to see it from like a bird's eye view. Okay whoa, I have no lunch break, or maybe I have too many one-on-ones, or maybe I could do this meeting bi-weekly, or maybe this one is more monthly because I'm not going to get any progress from meeting with them every week. So that's how I've strategically structured my (laughs) work life is my Outlook calendar. Okay. So thank you, Microsoft, for making that happen. I mean, we need Microsoft to be an advertiser now. We gave them a nice plug there. So good good for Microsoft. Um, so I was reading about you in preparation for this interview. And one of the things that I came across in your bio uh, was that you are a lifelong learner. And I want to just share a couple of items with our audience here. So I already mentioned the MHA, MBA that you have. I'm going to read these things. So let me take a deep breath. Uh, You are a certified medical coder, certified medical office manager, certified medical insurance specialist, and a certified Maxwell leadership coach. Holy moly. Um, Congratulations, first of all. And then uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, what is it about lifelong learning that you, you seem to just be moving forward and adding new 
skill sets and new information uh, to your toolbox, so to speak. Uh, what is it about that um, that makes you so motivated to just keep learning and keep learning? Being able, I think the reason why I feel like I'm a lifelong learner or that is my passion is because I feel like if I don't understand something, how can I help others? Uh, so I really have a collaborative approach where I know I don't know it all and I don't want to know it all because I don't think <laughs> I would be sitting here. I'd probably be in behavioral hospital or I don't know. Um, <laughs> so that's um, my passion is really to be able to keep serving others. And if I am not keeping up to date with new trends, um, new generational needs, uh, how to be able to look at different innovation techniques or projects or who's doing this, how can we implement this to be more efficient, then I don't think I'd feel like I would be benefiting my team and leading them because I would not be bringing any value to them if I don't keep learning. Right. What is next on your educational goals? You're going to med school, you're going to get a law degree. Uh, what is uh, <laughs> become an astronaut? What, what's next? <laughs> so it's funny because I'm actually, my minor was pre-med and I was like, uh, no, I know I want to help others. I just don't want to see blood every day. So <laughs> I want the administrative route. Um, my next step would be I'm trying to get for a certification on health executives right now. So I know MGMA also offers something, so I'm looking into that one as well. But I want it as a team. So we're looking into to see if we could get that certification. Okay. So that's my next step is finishing this accreditation and then looking into the MGMA for a group so we can take it all together. Okay. Well, you've come to the right place. We will uh, give you a good sales pitch on uh, that ACMPE or, you know, any of the other MGMA learning. So um, you're going, you'll, so this kind of segues into what we're going to talk about next. You and I are both going to be, um, in Orlando coming up. That's gonna be at MGMA's Financial and Operations Conference. That's gonna run from March 19th to the 21st. You're gonna be a speaker there. Um, so let's talk about your session a little bit. It's one that is unbelievably uh, valuable right now. It's a real pain point for people. You're gonna be talking about staffing. The actual title of your session is living in and overcoming staffing uncertainty. I know that everybody listening here is dealing with some level of staffing uncertainty. So kind of give us an overview or some of the uh, main points you want to get across to the audience there in Orlando. So I'm one of the first. I'll be speaking Monday at 8 a.m. I'm excited and nervous about it. I'm excited that I'll be the first one getting it out of the way <laughs> and then be able to enjoy myself in different sessions. So um, I would actually love for peers or colleagues of 
just that are dealing with the same issues from an ambulatory clinic setting to come to my session and just hear really the things that we've done to be able to keep our doors open, which will, I'll be talking about pay scales, how to be competitive in it by data analytics. I'll be talking about retention and different tools that we've been able to implement. Um, I'll be talking about surveys and how we implemented more even though there's now a survey fatigue. Um, I'm, we're still not there yet, thankfully, so I'll be giving out some handouts on what we noticed in our workforce is that we were having people leave 90 days in the job and we we're like what is going on I know we're not bad horrible so we um, implemented seven 45 and 90 day surveys so people are scared to speak up when they feel like they should know the job but did we actually give them the tools to know the job so this is more kind of give that uncomfortable situation because we know that we still communication is a big being throughout all levels. Um, I will also be talking about virtual workforce. So we actually paired up with a company that has helped us help our employees not feel that much of a burnout because we were having staff answer phones, register patients, do eligibility, which we know if I was in their shoes, I would not be here either. So if you are having any of those issues, um, my session kind of, I'm giving, oh, it's an hour. So anything that I put on the PowerPoint, it's for someone else to, if they want, uh, not recreate the wheel and just have different resources already that we have put in place to give. So that's really one of the big reasons why I applied to be a speaker is because sometimes we feel like we're alone and we shouldn't be because we have, I mean, MGMA is a great resource. So I was really lucky and blessed to have been um, accepted to be a speaker to be able to give uh, tools to different leaders like myself. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing that. And we at MGMA, we've hosted... Oh, several different staffing sessions over the last, you know, 18 months, two years or so. And those are always unbelievably well attended because everything that you have been mentioning here, it's just, it's been an incredible burden um, with the recruitment side of it. But then as you were alluding to also the retention side of um, staffing. It's just been very, very challenging, very difficult for practices across the country. So I wanted to talk to you about that. You've got a couple of items here that I had identified in reading over your session. Um, one of those is that role that data analytics is playing in staffing. So give us an idea. What are, what are some of the KPIs? What's some of the data that you're studying that's helping you be better informed on how to best staff uh, the whole practice there? So we, when I first started, we had this 
okay, every specialty, every doctor gets X amount of staff. That's not reality. Um, some providers work like they're three providers. We have some providers that work like they're two. And then we have ones that focus on, I'm going to take my time because quality is more important to me than quantity. And I respect all um, points of view. We just have to be strategic in, in being fair with who needs what. Mm -hmm. So that ha that's really how analytics has helped me. Uh, my KPIs, I see a lot on it every two weeks, which could be monthly. Next available appointment by provider. That's a huge one for me to see, okay, are we needing to add more specialists? We know that specialists are very hard to recruit. So what could we do? Could we add an advanced um, provider to help with that next available appointment? Do we need to add a scribe to help the doctor see more patients, but not be working on notes till 11 o'clock because right. we were having that? Um, timely completion of notes, I look at that weekly. So it's not, sometimes it's really physicians not thinking that they can ask for more staff. Um, so I think that's a big eye-opener when I took this role is I need to be proactive in helping them because that is my role, is for them to not worry about all the administrative burden, for them to focus and be happy on patient care. So those are a few of my KPIs to help physician um, burnout to decrease yeah. it. And then for employees, we do look at overtime and not because we don't want to pay people more. It's we don't want to burn people out. Right. So I look at that monthly too. Do I need to add someone? Do I need to do an assessment on uh, shifting duties? So that's a big KPI that I look at too. Those okay. are just a few high level. <laughs> I'm sure they're more granular ones as well, but yeah. that gives us a real idea. And you mentioned something earlier as well, and that was talking about you really became curious and began to investigate, uh, you know, doing, you know, raising the, I guess, level of retention there. And so in reading about, again, about your session, you're talking about um, the importance of onboarding. Uh, to try to address some of those staffing challenges to keep that, uh, you know, retaining the staff that you've spent a lot of time and money and um, <laughs> hard work to get them on board in the first place. And then if they just, it's a revolving door, they turn around and leave, then you start over again. So talk about that onboarding process. What have you learned by investigating it and how have you managed to improve that at your practice? So before I, we started, or I started in this role, mm -hmm. we only had a one-day onboarding uh, orientation. So what the team and I created was a second-day onboarding, and that was just focused on not just the health system one day, but the clinic the second day. 
and telling our story, how big we are, how it's a benefit because we're a big team. We can help each other out when one's short. Uh, I do make it a point to try to go every week and speak on my portion because I think it's very important for them to know that me as their top leader really cares about and appreciates that they chose us, not another health system or another clinic, and to let them know that there's, we don't have actually career ladders in place, that's what we're working on, but there's room for growth. We have so many opportunities. So if that, we understand that entry-level jobs, they're entry-level, you're not going to be there forever, but we'd like to keep you forever if you want to stay in the healthcare field because there is a position for you, but you need to help us help you. If we, mm-hmm. if we don't know that you're going to school to be a PA, then we can't help maybe having those extra shadow hours that you can, uh, the specialty that you want to be in a PA school. So that has really helped us from a second day orientation and then mandatory trainings. So mandatory trainings um, is the reason we were noticing that people were not getting trained to do their job because we just wanted to fill in that role. Well, Mm -hmm. we know that that's not, people want to do well. I truly believe that. But if they don't know how to do well, how do we expect them to do well? So um, we did have a meeting. We have a monthly manager's meeting, and we said, this is mandatory because we want your team members to succeed in your clinics. We want it to be less of a headache for you to keep hiring because they're leaving due to lack of resources. So we do have very formal mandatory trainings for medical assistants and for our front staff and our billing as well. Mm -hmm. A final thought then, and I want to address something that I've heard is a common theme that you have worked on, and that's communication across all kinds of channels, whether up the ladder you know, horizontally, new staffers, anything. It seems like you've really focused on communicating um, to the staff so they feel heard, they feel empowered, et cetera. Um, Talk about that. I don't know if this came about from your John Maxwell training or from just who you are as a leader, but talk about um, that communication and how to make that work in a practice, maybe for our listeners, maybe some first steps they could take to make sure that they're communicating at, uh, at the top for their practice and their staff there? I think from a communication standpoint of why I'm so passionate about people knowing um, what's going on in the health system, what's going on in different changes, because you not only get more buy-in by communicating before we're rolling out something, but you can also get ideas in, hey, that may not work. So let's tweak it. And that's really why I communicate to all because 
like I said, I only know what I know, and I don't think that's much. <laughs> but uh, communication is key to get not only buy-in, to have everyone not be in the dark, um, to when someone's t- asking them something, they'll, they're well-versed in it. We created um, an email group. So for all our 1,200 employees, it's called RMF Clinic Staff. So we shoot out newsletters on there. We have a CARES program where peers can, their peers can give kudos to another and they get a gift card. We have holiday talent shows that I'm the MC. I'm an introvert, if you can believe it. But no, I don't believe it. <laughs> I am, but I do these things because I want to be able to be relatable. I think mm-hmm. sometimes they think, oh, she's the chief ambulatory officer. I don't really ever say that unless I have to. Um, I'm Veronica, just like everyone else here. Right. Um so that's the communication is big for me. If I hear something from our big health system that I feel like our directors need to know, I forward them the email. If I feel like management needs to know, just not the directors, and it's better. We also have a manager's uh, email group. We have a director's email group. Um, and that's kind of how I've been able to communicate. I still mess up where... Oh, yeah, let's do something. But I forgot to tell one, two, three people. But they've forgiven me. So I think lesson learned. Well, yeah. And I think that's a great way to communicate, to be vulnerable and be transparent with the staff to go, hey, I mess up too sometimes. And so that's okay. We're going to all be a team here so we can work together and we can learn from anything if we need to, uh, you know, do it differently next time we've learned from this mistake or what, whatever challenge it might be. So I think that's great advice. So Veronica Villarreal, I want to thank you so much for joining us and sharing these thoughts today on the MGMA podcast. Thank you. Excited to see you. I am looking forward to meeting you in Orlando as well. Maybe, uh, are you going to Disney or anything like that? Or are you, are you just doing that? You're going to Universal. Okay. So what is the, uh, bring me up to speed. Uh, what's, what's the uh, attraction there that you are looking forward to at Universal? Uh, my best friend's actually coming down. Uh, I hadn't seen her in two years. She lives in Georgia. So she picked it. Perfect. So you're just uh, going, <laughs> going along her. for the ride. Well, that is awesome. We'll have so much fun there. You can tell me about it because I don't do amusement parks, but uh, I'll be there in spirit with you. Um, So great meeting you here and we'll see you about a week from now. So thank you so much. Um, For our listeners, that is going to do it for this episode of MGMA's Insights Podcast. Thanks again to Veronica Villarreal. She is the Chief Ambulatory Officer at DHR Health. Um, And as a reminder, Veronica will be speaking at MGMA's Financial and Operations Conference. She's going to be speaking, as she reminded us, uh, Monday at 8 a.m. I believe that's Eastern time. So 
That's going to be Monday. The overall conference is going to be March 19th through the 21st in Orlando. Thanks again for listening to the MGMA Podcast Network. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership.